Now on the news hour, the return of Vancouver's largest public event with hundreds of thousands expected at the celebration of light tonight. Plus, we don't know what's happening, but there is a chance he might have escaped through the mountain. The manhunt continues for a suspected killer in the Fraser Valley with one community on edge and stock images of the purported suspects involved in another manhunt. Why these faces of two alleged accomplices are actually fake. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Well, love them or hate them, the fireworks are back. The Honda Celebration of Light kicks off tonight after a pandemic pause, with hundreds of thousands of people expected to pack Vancouver's downtown core. That's where our Krista Dow joins us from live now. Krista, lots of people down there already, it looks like, to stake out a good spot tonight. How's it looking down there? Yes, Sarah, we are expecting tens of thousands upon tens of thousands. As you mentioned, many have already arrived to find a good spot, but we expect thousands of more to come trickling in. Here's what English Bay looks like right at this hour. As you can see, it is packed and it's expected to get even busier. Now, of course, we know there is plenty of anticipation this year as the Celebration of Lights returned after three years cancelled the previous two years due to COVID-19. And because of those large anticipated crowds, officials are reminding people to plan ahead. Leave that car at home, either bike, walk or use public transit to watch the event here tonight. And Translink will have more buses running and be operating at peak service levels with trains running every two to three minutes. And many tell us after years they plan to arrive well before those crowds come. We were here at about 3 o'clock and we're just having friends come by and enjoy the weather and the beautiful summer and yeah, getting ready for the big show. So we're not going to be in a hurry to leave because I think that's where it gets really messy. But it will be crowded all along that tarmac there right to the water. It'll be jam-packed like sardines in here. I mean, we live nearby and we just sort of figured it was going to be busy, but we got here at 12.30. It wasn't that bad at all. Um, probably going to pick up in the next hour or two. Yeah, we just came here to try and stoke, like, stake a spot out. It's nice to have, like, fun things to do again in the city. And of course, Sarah, police will be out in full force monitoring to make sure everyone is behaving tonight. And here to tell us more about that, we're joined by Sergeant Steve Addison. Thanks for joining oh, us. Oh, my pleasure. It is expected to be a very busy evening. What are police going to be on the lookout for tonight? Yeah, there's lots of people out here already. We're expecting even more to come down on the sky trains into the West End, into the downtown. Although it's busy now, it's going to get really busy. People are going to be shoulder to shoulder in a little while. We've got lots of police officers out uh, on horses, on bikes, on bicycles, on foot. Um, and our job is to make sure that people are safe and people can have a good time. We know it's been a long time since we've been able to do this, since Vancouver's been able to come together. And we only want to, want, only want to, make, or only want to um, allow people to have fun. And our job is to help people do that. And very briefly, uh, we know there will be some rule breakers. What's the warning from police about those who might stray from the rules? Yeah, we're asking people to uh, leave your alcohol and drugs at home. This is supposed to be a safe, fun, family-friendly event. If you want to have a few drinks at home, on a patio, at a restaurant, please do that. Uh, but don't bring uh, drugs and alcohol down to the beaches and the parks. A very good reminder, and we hope everyone does stay safe. And uh, Sarah, just if people are still coming down, just know that three roads in the West End will be closed tonight. That's Davie, Denman, and Beach Avenue. That's 7 o'clock that those roads close. So people, again, 
please take a public transit, bike, or walk to get down here and enjoy these fireworks safely. Okay, good advice. That's Krista Dow with Sergeant Steve Addison from Vancouver Police. Thank you, Krista, and we'll have full coverage of tonight's fireworks show and the aftermath tonight at 11. Turning now to two manhunts underway in this province and an embarrassing admission from investigators late today when it comes to the photos of two accomplices released publicly yesterday. It turns out these photos purportedly of two men who posed as contractors to help an accused killer escape a pretrial center this week are actually stock photos available for purchase to anybody on the internet. RCMP acknowledging late this afternoon the photos are fakes, but investigators say they do believe the actual suspects resemble the men in the photos. Robbie Al-Khalil escaped from North Fraser Pretrial Center on Thursday, allegedly with the help of two other men. Al-Khalil is accused in a fatal high-profile shooting at a Vancouver hotel in 2012. His first-degree murder trial, which is currently happening, will continue even in his absence. To the other manhunt for an alleged cold-blooded killer and a warning with this next story, some of the footage may be upsetting to some of our viewers. The man wanted in connection to a double fatal shooting in the Fraser Valley remains at large tonight, leaving an entire community on edge. Amadagahi now with new details. More than 48 hours after the point-blank shooting murder of two women at this northeast Chilliwack home, Homicide investigators meticulously continued to search the basement suite and an area under forensic tents in the front of the property. See, that's a backwards Jeep on there. Saturday, police confirmed to now be in possession of the 1990s Jeep YJ associated with the suspect, 50-year-old Eric Shastello, who is described as armed, dangerous, and still at large. Police say the shooting Thursday morning was targeted. Meanwhile, neighbors and family of the victims describe it as a despicable instance of domestic violence. Confirming to Global News, both victims had previous romantic relationships with the suspect. You had heard that these two women had a partner they were worried about. Yes, an ex ex-partner that they were worried about. This neighbor tells me the women both lived at the home with young children. Those close to them say living together may have been in an effort to avoid further abuse. Now, I've just spoken to the brother of one of the women killed here, who himself was also shot in the back during the shooting here on Thursday morning. He says that his sister had always been afraid that Shastello could be capable of doing something like this to her and adds that at the time of the shooting, there was also a restraining order in place. Court records show Shastello is facing a charge of uttering threats and assault designated in the case files by the letter K, used by the BC Prosecution Service to identify the intimate partner violence cases it approves. In all my years of working with bettered women, uttering threats meant that the man said, I will kill you. And this man was allowed to go free and follow up on his threat against these women. The integrated homicide investigation team is yet to provide a spokesperson for an in-person media interview, but continues to warn the public not to approach Shastello, instead asking those who may encounter him to call 911. Emadagahi, Global News. A suspect has now been charged with several offenses after a police-involved shooting in East Vancouver one week ago. And we've learned a canine officer narrowly escaped death during the incident. Oh my God. Yeah. 
Robin Landrew Price is due in court on Tuesday for a bail hearing. The 52-year-old was arrested last Saturday and treated in hospital for injuries that VPD say he sustained in a police-involved shooting. It began near Gore and Railway Streets, where police responded to a report of a break-in and tried to stop a vehicle leaving the area. The driver allegedly failed to stop and drove to Commercial Drive in East 2nd Avenue, where a police dog was deployed and shots were fired. Price is accused of fleeing police, dangerous driving, possessing a prohibited or restricted firearm, assaulting a peace officer, and using a firearm to commit an offense on a police officer. And the best part of my job is seeing Jade catch bad guys and also getting to see children's face light up when they get to meet her. After police service dog Jade was sent to nab the suspect, Global News has learned he allegedly pulled out a revolver, fired it at her head, but missed. That shot alerted her handler to draw his weapon. No police officers were physically injured. Jade received medical treatment and is already back on the job. BC's police watchdog continues to investigate the incident. The suspect, accused of threatening a pizza shop employee who refused to give him free food, has been rearrested and charged in two more stranger assault incidents. Staff at Fresh Slice in downtown Vancouver often give out free pizza slices to the city's homeless. But last Friday, 31-year-old Juan Serna allegedly threatened to stab a female employee when she refused to give him a free pizza a whole one. Cerna was charged with uttering threats to cause death or bodily harm and theft. He was released on bail this past Tuesday and rearrested Thursday on new charges. Our officers rearrested him um, following a violent incident that occurred near Pacific Centre in the downtown core. What I can tell you is that we received a 911 call about a man who was behaving erratically and assaulting strangers. Um, a man had approached a uh, man in his 20s who was waiting at a bus stop, allegedly pushed him, attempted to strike him. Um, moments later, we believe that same man approached another stranger with a weapon uh, and produced a weapon. Cerna appeared in downtown community court on Friday, charged with assault and possessing a weapon for a dangerous purpose. He fired his legal aid lawyer before telling the judge he would represent himself at the bail hearing. He was remanded in custody until next Tuesday. Crown says it will be applying to revoke Cerna's bail altogether. Bad news for transit riders on the North Shore tonight as bus drivers in West Vancouver have started job action. Members of the Amalgamated Transit Union Local 134 are stepping up pressure on the District of West Vancouver. They have started their job action by refusing to work overtime and come Monday morning, drivers will not be wearing their uniforms. The overtime refusal could affect up to 20% of the current schedule. Wages and working conditions are the main stumbling blocks here. The union is demanding parity with Coast Mountain bus drivers across the region. The district says it's offering to close the wage gap while dealing with scheduling concerns. And Abbotsford police are asking for your help in finding a missing 13-year-old boy tonight. This is Christian Deranewski. He was last seen just after noon on Wednesday, July 20th. All attempts to find him have been futile so far, and there is concern for his well-being tonight. Christian has brown hair and blue eyes with a slim build. If you see him, call police. 
And Surrey RCMP are asking for your help in finding a 43-year-old man. Bruce Willier was last seen on Friday just before 6.30 in the evening near 96th Avenue and 128th Street. He is described as indigenous, 5'10", with a slim build and short brown hair. Willier was last seen wearing a green hoodie, blue sweatpants and black shoes. Police say he may appear confused and there is concern for his well-being. If you see Willier or if you know where he is, call Surrey RCMP. We are just hours away from the arrival of the Pope on Canadian soil. Tomorrow, the pontiff arrives in Edmonton on day one of his Canadian tour. Chris Chacon now has more on what we can expect and the long-awaited apology the Pope is expected to deliver. It's been decades since the first papal visit to Edmonton, but we are now just hours away from Pope Francis's arrival to Alberta, and preparing for this historic stop came with a lot of work. We're right now doing the final touches, final check-throughs, making sure we haven't missed anything. I think right now we're running on fumes, a lot of adrenaline is moving us forward. There's been a lot of uh, lost sleep through all of this, but everybody's committed to this. Archbishop Richard Smith says preparing for the papal visit has taken countless hours of hard work and preparation from thousands of people. Oh, we could have been more ready. Uh, that's come at the cost of our nerves and our sleep. Uh, but I think we are as ready as we need to be uh, to make this uh, what we hope it will be. An opportunity for residential school survivors to see the Pope in person, but there will be many others also hoping to do the same. The logistics are going to be um, you know, an incredible challenge to manage. That said, uh, we also know that this is not a rock concert and this is not a regular event. This is something that is a critical part of truth and reconciliation. It's about a healing journey for people. Despite Commonwealth already being sold out, organizers are working to make space available at Clark Stadium. For residential school survivors who come last minute, special arrangements will be made. If they can get themselves to the park and rides, and the park and ride information will be available on the website, we will endeavor to do everything we can to get them to both Masquachese or Lac St. Anne uh, safely, on time, and with dignity. All events are free, snacks and water will be provided, but people are encouraged to bring extra food. And with a few packed days ahead, organizers are inviting everyone to arrive early. We have worked as hard as we possibly can, and then we've got to let uh, God take care of the rest. Chris Chacon, Global News. And Indian residential school survivors and their families in B.C. who are not traveling to personally see the Pope during his visit can gather at three locations across the province next week. The gym at Vancouver's Britannia Community Centre will be the venue in Metro Vancouver, where a live stream will be provided of the Pope's stops in the Edmonton area on Monday and Tuesday. Similar gatherings are also being held in Prince George and Terrace. Each event has been planned according to the protocols of the nations hosting those gatherings. Emotional and cultural support Support will also be provided to attendees. Indian Residential School Survivor Society, in partnership with First Nations Health Authority, felt that these gatherings were important to provide the space for Indian Residential School survivors to gather, to do a viewing for those survivors and the families that are unable to attend the event in Edmonton. We thought we would provide a safe space for the Indian Residential School survivors to gather. And we understand these stories can be difficult for many. There is support available for survivors and their families. The number is toll-free and 24 hours a day. And you can speak in confidence at the number on your screen.
We are learning new details tonight on the timeline of a high-profile crime spree that left a mother and her toddler toppled in Vancouver's Chinatown. A motorist says she had a violent encounter with the suspect just moments earlier. Kristen Robinson has her story amid growing public safety concerns and alarming stranger attacks throughout Vancouver. You can see there's like quite a large dent here. The damage still intact from a bizarre incident July 9th. This is where I had slowed right down. Tammy Higo almost came to a stop while driving along East Cordova with a friend when she says a man slowly entered the road near Hawks Avenue. He's right beside the passenger door of my car, so close, and he all of a sudden just gives it everything he's got and he just kicks the passenger door in to the point where there's quite a large visible dent. She thought about confronting the suspect but decided to call police instead. When I turned around and saw him walking up the block, I just thought there's something just not quite right with this guy. Minutes later, the suspect was caught on surveillance knocking down a mother and toddler in Chinatown. 27-year-old Shaquan David Kelly was arrested and charged with mischief and assault. He was released the next day on conditions including not to be intoxicated in public by alcohol or illegal drugs. While on bail, Kelly allegedly attacked someone at the Kettle Friendship Society. A month earlier, he is accused of assaulting two security guards at VGH. It is scary. I, I am sad to hear about these other incidences. And this is unfortunate, like an unfortunate situation with someone who's unsafe, kind of roaming out in the community. No, you cannot do that. Global News has learned Kelly is also being investigated in connection with an alleged June 20th stranger attack caught on surveillance on a Vancouver bus. Does that person in the, does the suspect in that video look familiar to you? Yes, he, he definitely does. Police say a suspect aggressively approached a woman shaking his fist and threatening her before punching her in the head, causing her to fall to the ground. But is it the same person you saw? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Kelly remains in custody after his arrest Thursday. The Crown has applied to revoke his bail. His lawyer says her client has mental health difficulties. Oh, I think, yeah, I, I think he, he deserves to get the help that he needs, for sure. Higo, a nurse who's worked in mental health and substance use, truly hopes the suspect receives help to drive forward. Kristen Robinson, Global News. To the Okanagan now, where a hard-working search and rescue team has decided to close down operations after struggling to recruit enough volunteers. As Victoria Famia reports, that leaves a major void to be filled when somebody needs to be rescued in Karameas. The last two remaining members of Karameas Search and Rescue have decided to suspend operations, a decision that came after the group faced difficulties trying to recruit enough members to keep the team running. And compared to search and rescue groups across the region, Karameas has drastically lower call numbers. So Karameas um, is a small community as well. Their search and rescue group has been around for 13 years, um, but is a small group in terms of membership size. They also have uh, you know, a lower call volume, uh, less than 
than five calls a year that they've historically done. While the Karamea search and rescue team has disbanded, residents shouldn't have to face longer wait times when in need of a rescue, waiting for other districts. Uh, if there's an urgent call, Emergency Management BC authorizes the use of a helicopter very quickly, and certainly groups like Oliver, Soyuz, Penticton and Princeton have those kinds of protocols already in place and ready to go. Uh, I was just fortunate to drive through that area last week, um, so the driving distance is not tremendously far if uh, response is done by vehicle. Coverage calls for Karamea search and rescue will now be handled by Penticton, Princeton and Oliver Osoyoos, depending on the location and nature of the rescue, but it's not expected to add to their workload. Between the three teams in the area, we um, will provide mutual aid and support of each other, um, depending on what's happening. So if it's uh, based on geography, we might look at what team can get there more expediently. Um, if there is a technical capability that's required, so swift water, rope, um, helicopter response or mounted response, um, we'll go based on the team that has the experience and the, and the tools. Across the province, there are 3,000 search and rescue volunteers. And at this time, BC Search and Rescue says no other teams are facing difficulties recruiting members. Victoria Famia, Global News. And friends and family of one of three young hockey players killed in a car crash last summer are playing in a memorial hockey tournament in Surrey this weekend. Former teammates and relatives of Ronan Sharma are taking part in the inaugural tournament at Surrey Sport and Leisure Centre until Sunday. Last August, Sharma and his friends Parker Magnuson and Caleb Reimer were killed in a crash on 104th Avenue. Sharma's family decided just last month to hold this tournament, which they hope plays tribute to Ronan's passion for the game. Just talking amongst our family, we decided that we wanted to do something more specifically kind of me and my older brother Ryan. We were like, what should we do to honor our younger brother? And so then we decided the best way would be to bring his closest friends together to throw a hockey tournament to show what he loved the most and, you know, throw some teams together and just have a for the weekend. We're overwhelmed by the support, the donations, the help, the community coming together far and wide. We're amazed at what we could accomplish in two months and we couldn't have done it if the community and the help wasn't come together. In health matters now, the rapid spread of monkeypox around the world prompted the World Health Organization to declare the outbreak as a global health emergency today, a move that's been welcomed by many in the medical community, with more than 16,000 cases confirmed in dozens of countries in just the last few months. Global's Reggie Cicchini joins us now live with the latest. And the decision to declare the viral outbreak a health emergency came after weeks of meetings, but even the final outcome on Saturday wasn't unanimous. Nine members of the agency were against the designation amid concern that the outbreaks appear to be heavily weighted in the LGBTQ community with men who have sex with men. Though on Friday, two cases from the United States were diagnosed in children, leaving the director general in a position of ending a deadlock. Since there, the role of the committee is to advise, um, the, I then had to act as a tiebreaker. I consider this as a close and no consensus by them. Now, the WHO says the outbreaks are of moderate concern globally, but of highest concern through Europe. Vaccines are available, but stockpiles vary, and medical experts argue communities that appear to be impacted most should be prioritized, calling for honest communication. We've got to alert that community and the physicians who take care of them without inducing 
the terrible issue of stigma, mm -hmm. because stigma is the enemy of public health. The World Health Organization's decision was widely lauded as a way to slow spread of the virus, with doctors pointing to the failures of the COVID-19 pandemic, saying prevention but also education is key. Now, Canada has reported almost 700 cases with thousands of people already vaccinated. Public health officials say mass vaccination sites are not needed for now. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington. Go back now to the return of the Honda Celebration of Light as Japan is getting set to kick off the first night of competition in just a few hours. Hundreds of thousands of people are expected to pack the shores of English Bay tonight. That includes our very own Michael Newman, who joins us now as the party gets started. Looks like fun down there. Michael, how's it going? It's going well. It's a bit of a beach party here in English Bay. You know, people are getting getting excited for the inaugural night of Celebration of Light. Joining me right now, I have Paul Reynolds from uh, from Brand Live, and I know it takes like 500 people to get this all set up. What we're seeing now, but how does it feel to be here, 30th anniversary of this event? Uh, it's incredible. I mean, we've been here all week, and we've had people coming up to us all day, every day, just talking about how excited they are to see this back. And I mean, the numbers of people down here already are, are way beyond what we normally see for this time of night. So it's super exciting. It's incredible. It's just great to be back. Yeah, nothing but smiles. And it's like quintessential summer activity that people look forward to every year. Um, you know, we talked about this being the 30th anniversary. Any, anything new that you guys have done this year? We got a couple of new things. We've got a new festival hub at Morton Park with a music stage there that's uh, just opened up today and uh, really well received by the people in that area. Uh, we've got the return of the Red Bull Air Show, which is going to be happening all three nights. Uh, at 7.40 p.m. And then on Wednesday night, uh, we've got the uh, Canadian Snowbirds coming back and doing their, their show for us. So all in all, you know, lots of action going on down here over the next uh, multiple of nights. Yeah, so for folks who are maybe on the fence a little bit right now, what do you tell them to come on down to, to, to be part of this? Just come on down and be part of it. I mean, yeah. we've all been missing these opportunities to get together. And I mean, our ticketed venues are, we've, we're completely sold out tonight. We do still have some tickets left from Wednesday night and Saturday night, but they're moving really briskly. So come on down, have some fun, bring your friends, bring your family, just enjoy this incredible weather and, and the return of this great show. Absolutely. Thank you and your team for putting this on. Come on down. It's fireworks start at 10 p.m. tonight. So if you're wondering you would come down, come down closer to the fireworks and enjoy this beautiful show. We'll send it back to you. Okay, Michael Newman, thank you. Cannot wait to see the fireworks tonight. And Yvonne Schell joins us now. A nice clear night tonight, perfect <laughs> for fireworks and not too hot, Yvonne, as well. How's yeah, great conditions for the fireworks. And there's tons of spots for people to catch it as well. So you'll be able to see it out there. So 10 o'clock, you'll want to keep your eyes to the skies. It is pleasant. We're taking a look just about down by the water where the fireworks are setting up there. We've got a range in temperatures between 20. When you factor in the Humidex, though, it's sitting at 25 degrees. And that's closer to the water. It's even warmer away from the water. We've got a southwesterly wind at 13 kilometers per hour. And the winds are actually going to pick up as we get in through the day for tomorrow. A quick glance at a few of the other numbers. We've got the heat areas inland for Abbotsford, the Humidex at 27, Port Alberni inland between 27 and 30, and areas near Victoria between 18 and 20 degrees. A few other hot spots across the province today, still hot for Lytton up to 37, even warmer as we get in towards next week. I'll have that number coming up in just a moment. Kelowna today into the low 30s and areas near Trail topping at 35 degrees. Now the plan for Metro Vancouver, yes, it's clear, 
here. It's great through the evening hours. We'll actually get down to 13 degrees. We've got the sunshine for the morning hours. Another warm one, hot tomorrow between 23 up to 27 degrees. That'll be away from the water with the humid X will be feeling into the low 30s. Now, blip in the forecast, though, a heads up along the north coast. We are tracking some rainfall. It'll pick up overnight tonight. It continues through the morning hours, should taper off as we get in towards the evening. And a few isolated showers may pop up. That'll be for the central interior and the southern interior from that system. We'll start to see a bit of an increase in cloud cover, breezy conditions for the southern interior with gusts of up to 40, but it still remains dry. And we are going to continue to see that along the south coast. Big weather story that we're following is this ridge of high pressure. It continues to build. It'll strengthen over the next few days and we'll likely see the peak of the heat. This is very important. Wednesday, Thursday for most areas along the south coast, extending into the southern interior and those numbers will be soaring. It'll still be hot and sunny, though, as we get towards the end of the week, likely towards the end of the month. But the hottest days are midweek onwards as we look ahead towards Tuesday, Wednesday for most areas away from the water and the interior. We could get closer to 40 degrees. So be prepared for the heat. As we look in towards next week, fire danger rating as well. A quick reminder, we're now sitting at around moderate to high, especially for the southeastern corners of the province. Wet, though, along the north coast. Different weather story. A few isolated showers for the central interior. The southern interior, we'll see those the breeze pick up through the day tomorrow. An increase in cloud cover. Most areas along the south coast, though, we've got that sunshine over the next few days. The Humidex tomorrow will get us into the low 30s. And the heat is on. It'll be hot, sunny, especially as we get in towards our Wednesday and Thursday of next week. Sarah. Wow, look at all those suns. Yes, sunballs. Yes, we sun call sunballs. <laughs> Thanks so much, Yvonne. We'll see you soon. Well, the fireworks aren't the only attraction in downtown Vancouver tonight. Whitecaps fans heading to tonight's game against Chicago Fire FC at BC Place will have to keep their cool. That's because the roof will remain closed because of a mechanical problem preventing it from opening for the match tonight. It's the same issue that prevented the stadium roof from retracting for Thursday night's BC Lions game against the Ticats. BC Place staff remind spectators that empty water bottles up to one liter in capacity are allowed inside with drinking fountains available in the main concourse. Glass bottles, though, are not allowed. Okay. Better bring a fan. I yeah. was at the game uh, <laughs> Thursday, and uh, if you've ever been in a chicken coop, <laughs> that's kind of what it feels like. It's, a, it's not the worst. It's a bit stuffy. It'd certainly be much better if it was open, but they're still going to play the game, and uh, we'll hear from Vanny Sertini uh, as they uh, queue up a, what's the start of a big week. They play Toronto FC on Tuesday, and tonight... Toronto FC's two Italian superstars made their debut and they were fantastic. So maybe that changes things uh, for the Whitecaps on Tuesday because Toronto's been horrible this year. I think everyone thought it would be a gimme Canadian championship match, but it's uh, changed a little bit. So we'll talk about that when we come back. Well, next week's upcoming visit from the Pope comes with mixed emotions for many Indigenous Canadians, with some residential school survivors making no plans to see the pontiff even while he's in Canada. As Sarah Comadima reports, it's a conflicting time for some left dealing with reopened wounds. Perry Omiyasu finds comfort in cooking. He welcomes these moments because over the decades, finding any peace has been a struggle. I tell people that, you know, I'm going to carry this darkness of being a residential school survivor till the day I die. When he was just five years old, Omiyasu was ripped away from his family and put into the Ermanskin Residential School. What a difficult and ugly change in my life, eh? It just caused me nothing but havoc. You know, and prior to that, it was like, you know, I don't ever remember my grandfather hitting me or yelling at me. I remember being fed proper food when I, with my, by my grandmother. I remember being allowed to play and, and, and be a little boy and, and run around. 
at school, he was abused and lonely. He didn't understand English, but wasn't allowed to speak Cree. There's a whole bunch of different feelings that come up with, uh, with the Pope coming up. Omiyasu is from Musquachis and now lives in Vancouver. He won't travel to hear a papal apology. To him, the Pope is a symbol of his pain. It's hard. The Pope's visit has opened a floodgate of feelings. I'm starting to see that an older man, an 80-year-old man, is ready to heal. 39-year-old Josh Littlechild is thankful he didn't go to residential school, but his dad did. Littlechild felt that aftershock his whole life. It's impacted my parenting. I've had to really start over, you know, understand that, okay, these guys weren't really taught how to be parents, so I got to start from scratch. Littlechild has struggled finding his identity. We never really knew that we were being colonized. We never really knew that we were having these, I was born in this community, you know, going to church, uh, and I never really realized that this wasn't a part of us. He hopes the apology will help his dad, but he's clear. This visit is just a starting point. Undoing the damage of residential schools will take time. He is now making a point to learn traditional values and pass them on to his children. As for Omiyasu, even though he doesn't want to see the Pope, he still wants to see steps towards reconciliation. So future generations will experience the peace he never had. I think when my sons are older, when they're men and they have children, I think their, their sons are going to be just such in a better place. You know, they'll be able to walk with their heads up and say, oh, they're Indigenous. Sarah Comedina, Global News. Welcome back. Barry DeLay is back. Mm -hmm. Speaking of pride, as we just heard Michael Newman talking about, mm -hmm. fun yeah. game tonight at the That's White right. Cats. There's a theme there going. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> uh, it should be a great atmosphere under the dome tonight, despite the fact the lid being on may uh, make things a little bit stuffy. But the Caps are expecting a big crowd versus Chicago. Their newest acquisition, Julian Gresso, will make his White Caps debut. And it's also Pride Night at the stadium. To put it all in perspective, the one and only Vanny Sartini. Psychologically, it would be a great boost in order to face the last 12 games of the, the regular season and then the final on Tuesday. So it's, it's really important. And also off the field, I'm, I'm always happy when the club is on the forefront of this initiative to uh, promote uh, uh, rights, uh, to uh, make uh, everyone aware of the campaign that uh, we have to support and the Pride Night. It's uh, it's a, it's a good night where we can, I would say, uh, merge the the fight for rights for everyone, but also the the fun to have a, a fun night all together. Also tonight, Toronto FC hosting Charlotte and the much-anticipated TFC debut of Italian stars Lorenzo Insigne, the former Napoli man, and former Juventus man Federico Bernadeschi, both the men Euro 2020 champs with Italy, so lots of star power. Can they rescue the sad sack TFC who are near the bottom of the MLS standings? Well, TFC already up a goal early. Bernadeschi takes the corner. He slips, but... It's a short ball that Michael Bradley flicks in perfectly. It all worked out. Bernadeschi with the assist. TV, uh, TFC and their fans obviously charged up. 2-0 just 10 minutes in. 20 minutes later, it's Bernadeschi again. This time from distance, finds the corner. 
Mamma Mia, what a start for Bernadeschi, 3-0 Toronto, and then it's Lorenzo Insigne getting in on the action. A beautiful back heel right there to Michael Bradley, who makes a fantastic play to chip in his second of the game, 4-0 at the half. They subbed the Italians off at half to rest, the, uh, rest them, I would think, for Tuesday in Vancouver. 4-0 the final, and that should be an awesome game now at BC Place on Tuesday night. Brooke Henderson is on the verge of doing something no Canadian has ever done in pro golf, and that's win multiple major titles. Brooke won the Women's PGA Championship back in 2016 when she was just 18, matching Mike Weir's Masters triumph in 2003. Tomorrow, Brooke can get that elusive second major if she can hold her lead at the Evian Championship. That tournament being held in the picturesque French Alps, Brooks putting has been fantastic since she decided early. to go left hand low or essentially hitting it backhanded. Eighth hole, 15 footer for par and that is in. Sometimes those par saves just as good as a birdie as far as momentum. Next hole, second shot on the par five and Brooke absolutely mashes the fairway medal, gets a friendly little kick right there and that one settles close. She missed the short eagle putt, but she still got the birdie, got it to 16 under, and a four-shot lead. 14th hole, this is her tee ball on the 175-yard par three, and this one is right at the flag, almost goes in on the fly. Pitch mark about six inches from the hole. Brooke would convert that birdie, led by five at 17 under. Her lead was down to three by the 18th, had this little three-footer for what seemed like a gimme birdie, but she pulled it. Stays out 368 today, 17 under. Still a two-shot lead for Henderson as she chases her second major title at the Evian tomorrow in France. PGA Tour stop is the 3M Championship from Minnesota. Scott Piercy, the 36-hole leader, got another uh, on another heater earlier in his round. 18-footer for birdie on the third. He also battled a foot blister. Uh, had to take his shoe off while he was walking, but it didn't hurt him on the scorecard. As a matter of fact, he would make five straight birdies on the front side. Then they had a six-hour weather delay. They are just finishing up, but Piercy still has a big lead. He's at 19 under, a six-shot lead. Roger Sloan of Merritt at minus four. Adam Hadwin at plus one. Baseball today, Blue Jays at Fenway coming off that franchise record 28 runs scored last night in a 28-5 win. Much different game today, much more traditional. All-star Alec Manoa, this is a bit scary, catches his cleat on the mound and goes down in a uh, keeper. He didn't go down, but he hurt his shoulder, shaken up a moment but stayed in the game. That would be awful to lose that guy. Jays were down one nothing in the third. Uh, but their new manager, John Schneider, who managed the Vancouver Canadians a few years back, puts the hit and run on. It's a brilliant call. Santiago Espinal will score Matt Chapman all the way from first. Love that aggressive mindset. Then George Springer lines a base hit to center. That scores another run. Jays got three in the inning and led three to one. And then Springer showing off that defense. Long fly ball to deep center. But Springer will time it perfectly, makes the catch. He's got a bad elbow, it's kind of kept him in and out of the lineup, but does not prevent him from making a great catch on defense. Meanwhile, Alec Manoa gets on a roll, gets Frenchy Cordero for his sixth strikeout of the game, and then he will strike out Bobby Dahlbeck, and after he strikes him out, kind of gets into a bit of an argument with him. The fiery Manoa with another great outing, seven Ks, just one run over six innings, his 11th win, 4-1.
the final. The Mariners lost. The Jays moved past them in the wild card. World Track and Field Championships from Oregon. There's uh, Canada's Damian Warner, the Olympic gold medalist in the decathlon. First five events today, five more tomorrow. The first event, the 100 meters, and Warner is in a league by himself. Easily with the best time of all competitors. 10.27 seconds. Get him like in the top 30 in the world against just sprinters. Takes the lead as it was expected. And then the next event is the long jump. And again, Warner setting the pace, 7.87 meters. Warner was ninth in the shot put, but he is first overall through three events. Two more events in the night session coming up. Canada's men also run the 4x100 tonight. And just in, Toronto's Marco Arup won a bronze in the men's 800. So a second medal for Canada at the Worlds. The BC Summer Games are in full swing in Prince George. It all wraps up tomorrow. But in the meantime, these kids are enjoying getting back to competition. Jay Janor has more. It's been a long time coming for BC's girls and boys. Just over 2,300 athletes competing in the first BC Summer Games in almost three full years. And to say these games have been missed is a massive understatement. Yeah, honestly, just getting out, playing with friends, having fun, just an opportunity to sleep with your friends in the same room and kind of come out here and play soccer together. It's, it's really refreshing from, honestly, you know, when we're inside a home for, for such a long time and you kind of get, like, cooped up and, I don't know. It's huge. Um, very fun meeting new friends, teammates from the past, and just seeing some of the top talent here in BC. It's very awesome. Of the thousands of athletes at these games, Sawasan's Eli Teicher Graber might just be the most thankful to be playing. Just as the pandemic hit, the 15-year-old was diagnosed with a serious liver issue. No soccer, no socializing, and no school. Well, I missed a lot. There's like some restrictions that you could play soccer, but like I couldn't because like I, if I got COVID, I could have died. So I couldn't really play. I had to stay home a lot. Couldn't go to school either. It was something that I couldn't relate directly to, but I've had similar experiences in the past with, with uh, some people that I'm close to that, um, unfortunately, I've, I've lost one recently, and I, uh, yeah, it was, I was appreciative of him, him telling me that because it, you know, makes it easier to talk about from my standpoint, but also gives, you know, the kids an outlet as well if they, if they want someone to talk to about it too. So. It's heavy stuff for anyone to deal with, especially a 15-year-old boy. But herein lies the magic of the BC Games and the power of sport. Eli and his teammates will play for gold on Sunday. Win or lose, they've already enjoyed the experience of a lifetime. Yeah, honestly, the, the only thing I want is just to see the smile on their face at the end of the day. And as long as they're enjoying what they're doing, then I know, you know, I've created the right environment and we've done, we've done the right thing, so... Reporting from the BC Summer Games in Prince George, Jay Janower, Global Sports. This is a cool story about uh, somewhere that's really close to us here at Global BC. Hollywood North is getting another boost just down the street from us with the opening of a film company in Burnaby this weekend. Cinelease is an American-based supplier of lighting and grip equipment. It has operated in dozens of American cities since 1977, but this location is its first in BC among the equipment the company rents out to productions. Our remote-controlled lifts for lighting and grip work. The company says business is very good these days thanks to streaming services. I've been in film for 34 years, and uh, I've watched it grow, and it's not stopping. It's, and with the streaming, uh, it's, it's growing more. So if you, uh, if you build, they will come. 
Well, they're building everywhere right now, so there's lots of room. Yvonne, quick look at weather before we go. It's going to be hot, even hotter as we get in towards next week. Okay, sounds good. That's it for us tonight. Have a great one. We'll see you tomorrow. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.